0: I want to give a special thank you to this awesome praise and worship team. Give them a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you. I want to give honor to God, my wife and kids, awesome pastors, Pastor Adika, uh, Pastor Tim, so they can go and relax, do an awesome mission, have fun, relax, and enjoy themselves, and and, uh, marry Levi because he's an awesome young man. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O God. We praise you, we magnify you, and we glorify you. We thank you, O God, for taking us to the deep, O God. We want to go deeper in you. We want to have a deeper understanding, a deeper word, a deeper drive, a deeper commitment, a deeper love with you, O God, because you're just awesome. You're bold, oh God, you're courageous, you're dedicated, you're everything, you're faithful, you're generous, you're holy, you're invincible, you're just, you're kind, you're loving, you're magnificent, you're noble, you're omnipotent, you're powerful, you're qualified, oh God, you're a ruler, you're sanctified, you're saved, oh God, you are terrific, you're understanding, oh God, we thank you because we value you, you're worthy, you're exciting, you're a Zion, oh God, you're a Yahweh, oh God, we take your name through the alphabet, because you're worthy, O oh God. From A to Z, we love you because you're magnificent, O oh God. As we come here today, we thank you for blessing us as being the faithful ones, the one that's going to be attentive to your word, the ones that are waiting for your word to fall on good ground and take root, oh God. I decrease right now so that you may increase in me. Have your way, O oh God. I didn't come up here in a form or fashion, but I came to say what thus said the Lord. Speak through me. Use me, O God. Let me be that willing vessel to help your people to continue to carry us forth in you. We thank you and praise your mighty name, O God. We will forever give your name all the glory, honor, and the praise. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. He is worthy to be praised all by himself. Okay, did you guys know that the world revolves around questions? Research found that the amount of questions asked by children differs with age and gender, four-year-old girls being the most inquisitive. At the other end of the spectrum, nine-year-old boys are more content with their knowledge, asking only 144 questions per day. And four year old girls ask around 437 questions per day. If you are a school teacher, you would normally ask up to two questions every minute, up to 400 in a day and around 70,000 in a year, or two to three million over the course of an entire career. If you work in a hospitality or service or in a hotel or the restaurant, you could easily ask hundreds, hundreds of questions per day. So the Bible's supposed to be a book of answers. But I'm a little inquisitive, and it's rather interesting to know that the Bible is full of questions. The Bible has lots of questions. In fact, there are approximately 3,294 questions in Scripture. I know you have heard the phrase, the only stupid question is a question not asked. That's true in a sense. But my friend told me about an experience he had. He was on his way to uh, pick up a couple of things from the local gas station. And as he went into the gas station, a lady at the pump was sitting there smoking a cigarette pumping her gas, and he just shook his head and went on in. And then uh, he heard a lot of commotion outside. And two police officers ran past him as fast as they could. And he looked out the window, and it was a lady out there. Her arm was on fire when she was smoking a cigarette. And she just started waving her arm like that. And the police extinguished the fire. And the next thing you know, they put her in handcuffs and put her in the back of the police car. So my friend went up and asked the police officers, a question. Why did you arrest her? They said because she was waving a firearm. <laughs> You'll get that tomorrow. Today we're going to focus on God's first question and all that it entails. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. If you have it, say amen. If you don't, say wait on me. Wait on me. Genesis 3, 1 through 9 reads like this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat. Eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, she saw that the tree was good. Yeah, the tree was good for food that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They knew that they were naked. And they sowed fig leaves. Yeah, they sowed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? So if I had to put a topic on this text for your remembrance, it would have to be, Where are you? Where are you? Look at your neighbor and say, where are you? This question is posed in a way that is suitable for that particular moment in which everything is happening. If you're called on the phone and someone needs a ride, you would ask them, where are you? If you're working on your job performance report and your boss asks you on a scale of one to ten, where are you? You would obviously say, an eleven if you want to get promoted. You may be in a workout group, and you are competing and comparing stats with your teammates. And your teammates ask, where are you? And you would say um, 250 pounds on the bench press, uh, 450 with my squats, 175 my overhead (laughs) press, about 50 with my curls. Because they ask, where are you? That one question, same question, was asked by God to Adam, in which it was asked in a different way as well. Although they were hidden from plain sight, they were still in plain view of God. And he knew the answer to the question before he even asked. God never asked a question because he needed to know the answer. God never asked a question because he needs to know the answer. See, there's a chain of events leading up to this question, though. And it shows that we can learn several things from this passage of Scripture. There's three things that I believe God is showing us in this passage of Scripture. The first one is, it's your choice. It's your choice. You can't cover it or hide. Know where you are. Know where you are. So our first point as we look at this is, it's your choice. So as we turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So as we read Genesis 2, 15 through 17, as we read this passage of scripture, it is showing us that we know that Eve was placed in a peculiar situation. Because some of the scholars and some of the other people say that she was actually made or she was actually created after God gave this commandment to Eve. But later on in Genesis 3 2 through 3, we see that Eve actually knew the word. She actually knew the word of God. And she repeated it to the serpent. This is what she said. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden, God has said, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So she knew God's word. We know that. We know that she knew God's word. But either way, she had to know that there was something not right about this serpent that talked with her. Something had to be going on with, why is a serpent coming up to talk with her? Sometimes you get a feeling when somebody is talking to you they're up to no good. You just get that feeling sometimes. They're up to no good. They can be a salesman or anything. Not saying that a salesman in particular has something to do with this, but just using it as an example. It still came to the point that she made the choice. No matter how you spin it, how you twist it, who it came from, she still made the choice. It's our choice. Somebody says it's my choice. It is still our choice she had the information that was able to go over it in her head and her ultimate decision was to give it a shot and Adam had that same opportunity but he decided to eat as well they had the choice they had the information they knew what the word of God said but they still made a choice somebody say amen So, so often we hear that some of the bad decisions that people make, the first thing out of their mouths is, she made me do it. He made me do it. The devil made me do it. So they do all this pointing the fingers, all this pointing the fingers. So somebody told me that when somebody points the finger at somebody, they're pointing three fingers back at themselves. So when you blame somebody else on something, you're three times as guilty because you're pointing three fingers at yourself while you're pointing one finger at them. And statistics show and all of these reports show that it's so much easier to blame somebody else instead of taking responsibility, instead of taking our own ownership. It's so much easier to just put the blame on somebody else. So much easier easier to shuck that responsibility than to take ownership of what you have done. So so often we understand that, and we know probably gave a certain amount of information, but in all of that serpent gave her the information, so therefore he had to be there too. Sometimes you're going to be in a situation where people heard... You receive instruction. People heard that this is the way this should go, and they know this. But they come to you anyway, I'm going to just see how they're going to respond. I'm going to see how they are going to act when I come to them, and I may twist it a little bit in my favor, but I'm going to come to them because I know. I was around the corner when he or she told him this, and they know what's right. They know what to do. They have the word, but it's up to them to make the ultimate choice. Somebody say amen. So yeah, they probably gave you a certain amount of information leading you to make, to make a decision more in their favor, but we have to understand it is us that makes the final decision. Even the pressure we endure at some car dealerships or even more than that, the pressure we experienced at a timeshare presentation. That is the most brutal experience I ever had in my life. I can remember when we went in for a 90-minute presentation. And they told us, yeah, we're going to give you two free dinners and a $100 gift card. So, yeah, I'm tough, right? So me and my wife say, let's go and get this free stuff so we can have some fun for this 90-minute presentation. Four hours later, we came out with a stack of signed documents for buying a $20,000 property we can only go to one week out of the year in a different state. I said, but we made the choice. They made it convincing, but we made the ultimate choice. Yes, their tactics were cunning, and they applied the pressure on a very intense level, but we still made the ultimate decision to purchase that week and the points. So on our drive back to Florida, we just thought about it and thought up, thought about it and prayed. And uh, So when we got to Virginia, the first thing we did, we called them up, canceled, but we kept the gift certificates and the food coupons. We used that on the way from Florida. We spent all that money. So Adam and Eve knew what they were doing. The choice they made had a huge impact on a lot of people. I'm talking about a lot of people. The choice they made had a huge impact on a lot of people, mainly everyone that came after them since they are the parents of the nation. They are known as the first parents of the world. Their choice costs their immediate inherits, inheritance of dominion over the earth and plunge the earth under a curse which results in decay and death. From that point, every living thing can die. They made a decision that they thought was just focused on them. Now this decision, it don't matter, because I'm making it. That fruit looks so good, I'm making this decision I don't care what's going to happen down the road. I'm making this decision now. I don't care. This fruit looks good. This situation looks uh, appeasing to me. I really want this. I know he was around the corner listening to the instruction that I know that I'm supposed to do right. I'm supposed to make the right decision. But it looks so good. I may hurt a lot of people. But it's about me. Whiff them. What's in it for me? What will I gain from this? How will this benefit me? I don't care about them. Yeah, she may cry. Yeah, he may be hurt. Yeah, we may not be able to pay the bills. We may not be able to do that. But I want to enjoy the moment. I want to enjoy this moment right now. I don't care what's going to happen. It's about me right now. It may not be the best decision. But it's the decision that I'm going to make that may ultimately affect a lot of people. And I chose to make that decision. So we understand that sometimes we go into a situation, a temporary situation, and we make a decision that will result in permanent consequences. We understand it's our choice, and I believe God is telling us that we don't have to rush some decisions, but take our time to pray. That's why they have these 24-hour clauses and these lemon laws for three days and all of these different things that gives, gives us time. Where we don't, the pressure is going to be there. Nobody's looking. Nobody cares. Come on and do this. This will be so good. This will be so awesome. Come on and do it. Did they really say this or did they say that? Do they really say twelve o'clock or eleven o'clock? Come on, you can do it. You can make so we're going to get that. But once we sit down and understand it's our choice and it can affect a lot of people, we regroup and say, "God, I know your word. I know what your word is telling me. They know what the word is saying. So I'm going to regroup." Because it's my choice, it's my decision, and this is the thing right here too. Nobody has a gun to your head. Nobody is, even so, if somebody had a gun to your head, guess what? You still make the choice. You're still making the decision. You're still making, no matter what situation you're in, there's no area, nowhere that you can say, Well, the devil made me do it. Well, he made me do it. Well, she made me do it. You're still making the ultimate choice. You're still making the ultimate decision. I know this is different from my my other stuff, but God gave me this and I like it. I, I, I like it. So we understand that. So even more so, God already spoke to you and told you one thing and somebody else comes up in your ear and tells you something different. You know you need to really consider what the word God spoke to you. So in the previous verse, God had spoke his word, and Eve knew it to the point that she recited it verbatim to the serpent. I know we all know some of those people who could recite all of God's word, but they may not live by it. But they can quote that Bible from Genesis to Revelation and go out here and do whatever they want. We know, Oh well, I know some. Everybody's quiet like they're in the library, but I know some people like that. Amen. So you have to make the right choice, even when you have someone whispering in your ear. And this may look good on the outside. And it may be something that is pretty enticing, but it's not worth it. It may be something that's juicy, that looks delicious. Eve said it looks good. It may be something that looks delicious. It may be something that feels delicious. Oh, even diabetics know these cakes and these cookies and these Twinkies and these sweet cakes, they look good, but it's not good for you. A lot of stuff looks good, but it not, it's not good for you. He looks good, but he's not good for you. She looks good, but she's not good for you. That new car looks good, but it's not good for you. Those new shoes look good, but they're not good for you. Hey, Amen. Amen. Reminds me of a story. A woman had been shopping and had bought a dress that she knew she couldn't afford. Why did you do it? The husband asked. I just couldn't help it, she said. The devil tempted me, the devil made me do it. <laughs> so the husband said, Why didn't you say, Satan, get thee behind me? She said, I did. But he just leaned over my shoulder and whispered in my ear, I really like that dress from the back, you should buy it. <laughs> and she bought it. So they're all around us. They're going to be whispering in our ear, but it's still up to us to make the ultimate decision. There's nobody else to blame. I'm the blame. There's only one person that I can blame after I make a decision. Me, myself, and I. I look that person in the mirror and I say, you're making choices today. You need to get your choices, get your decisions, because you're the ones going to be making them and they better be off the word of God. You better stand fast. There's going to be many people coming your way. Tempting you coming up to your window trying to sell you stuff wanting money coming to your office wanting you to do this and that and you have to make the decision. It's going to be crazy people Hey, you should do this. Hey, you're looking good. Hey, you want to buy this? Hey, you want to do that? You should buy this house. You should do that They're going to be coming to you every single day every which way and guess who's making the decision Somebody say me Yeah So what is the fruit that someone is telling you that is worth your life? This fruit that Adam and Eve ate was worth their life. It was worth all creation. It was worth everything. Sometimes we don't really put that much attention into some of the things we get ourselves into. That's worth changing history. It's worth knowing that After this decision, everything after me will change. There's no going back after I say this. There's no going back after I agree to this. That fruit, that fruit. What is that fruit? What is that fruit that's dangling in your face? That fruit that's dangling in your life. Eve said it looks good. It looks enticing. So yeah, it's going to look good. It's going to look enticing, that fruit that's worth your life, that doesn't line up with the word of God. God had already gave the word. And this is what's so amazing, which led to temptation also. He placed the tree of knowledge of life of good and evil where? Where? Right in the middle of the garden. Guess what Adam and Eve walked by every day? Oh, look at that tree. Oh, look at that tree. Oh, look at that tree. Every day, right in the middle of the garden. So what God is showing us, we're going to face temptations every day. They're going to be right in the middle. Right in the middle of our situation and our job where we go to school, where we congregate, all of these things. But God is showing us that we can get through it. Somebody say, I can get through it. it. And let me show you another example. Look at Esau in Genesis 25, 29 through 34. He made a choice to sell his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now Jacob cooked the stew. This is what it says. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. That's a whole different text, that part. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Somebody better say, that stew must have been delicious. (laughs) That situation must be the bomb. This situation that I'm about to sell my birthright for better be the best ever because I'm giving it my all. I'm giving you all I have for this situation. I'm charging my credit card up, maxing it out because of something that I feel like I want. He said, the Bible stated that Esau came in from the field and he was weary. I don't think he was weary to the point of death. And Jacob, you're his brother anyway. Give your brother some food. That's your brother. Give him some food. But Jacob, being conniving that he wasn't, that's a whole nother story as what him and his mom did in front of a dad on a bed. uh, was a whole different story, but Jacob had Esau promise and swear, actually, for his birthright. So there's going to be some situations where we feel so tempted, we feel drained that we need this. We cannot survive without this. I cannot survive without this new car. This new car is going to make me go so much faster. No, just hit this gas harder on your old car. These new shoes, I'm going to run so much faster and walk so much better with these new $200 shoes. They have to cost $200. No, just speed up. Go faster. These new utensils in my kitchen, I'm going to cook so much better. My food is going to be so delicious. Get a recipe book. But we get in our mind and we rationalize with ourselves that these things that we know that we really don't need will be so much better if we had it. But what are we giving up? What are we giving up for these things? Will I give up my birthright for a bowl of stew and a piece of bread? Will I max out my stuff? Will I give up my family for alcohol, for cigarettes, for joy? Will I give it up for this? For this temporary thing? Esau ate that soup so quick. Then he had to go back out to the field. When he went back out to the field, guess what happened? He burned off that soup, and he needed some more. No more stew. But guess what he didn't get back? His birthright. So, this temporary thing we get is gone. And then what? What do we have to show for? What do we have? Nothing. Say it again, sister. Nothing, nothing to show for. Tell your neighbor, that stew must have been delicious. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, sounds delicious. So this takes us to our next point. You can't cover it or hide. You can't cover it or hide. Let's look at Genesis chapter uh, 3, verse 7. And it reads like this. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So check this out. This verse gives us some ideas as to why they decided to sew fig leaves together for clothing. They understood their condition was both spiritually and physically naked. And they made a vain attempt to cover what they had done by fabricating some rudimentary clothes out of materials that were readily available to them. And that'll go on a whole other thing about my thing between an apple and a fig, and people say, but I think it was a fig, but that's just me because they had fig leaves from a fig tree, but that's just me. Um, because of the shame of Adam and Eve, how they felt, their first act was to try to cover it. Their first act after sinning was trying to cover it up. Their first act after telling a lie was trying to cover it up. Now, I know me. I'm not perfect, not even close. And back from experience, if I lied and then I had to tell another lie, then I had to tell another lie, then they asked me something else, I had to tell them no. I couldn't remember all of my lies. It's too hard. It's too hard trying to keep covering it up, remembering all these lies. So I just learned. Just tell the truth. Well, the truth shall set you free. I can't keep remembering these lies, keep covering it up and covering it up and covering it. I can't do that. So much easier to tell the truth. So because of the shame Adam and Eve felt, they felt like they should cover it up. So they attempted by sowing these fig leaves together. Now, as we look at these fig trees, they grow as tall as 25 to 30 feet and develop a spreading canopy of branches and leaves. Fig leaves are plentiful and typically 5 to 10 inches long and 4 to 7 inches wide, and they leave 3 to 5 deep lobes that you can actually eat. Fig trees are not very user-friendly, though. They contain an enzyme called ficin. Ficin. When touched can cause severe skin irritation. I looked up a lot of pictures of those, but I said, I am not putting those pictures up in church. They were terrible. But they, they leave a skin irritation from this leaf, from these fig leaves. What's fascinating is that our first parents, after they had sinned, they decided to cover themselves with these itchy, irritating leaves. Fig leaves sewed together and donned for coverings would have been very sticky and uncomfortable to wear. The expression fig leaf, uh, as told in Google, is widely used figuratively to convey the covering up of an act or an object that is embarrassing or distasteful. Now, covering up an act that is not going to get any better because you're uncomfortable. You place yourself in an uncomfortable situation with fig leaves that are uncomfortable. They're sticky, you're uncomfortable. So even when people see you in your state that you're uncomfortable, so it's easier, and God designed that for a reason. It's called a conscience. But once the conscience is gone... Whew, whew, boy, you better beware. But God gave us a conscience. That conscience makes us irritated. That conscience makes us sticky, it makes us uncomfortable, where we have to release it and give it up to God and confess. And God is a God of repentance, so he will take our repentance and he will bless us and place us in the same state like we never sinned. Now, that don't mean just go out and, and do something and then repent but you have to wholeheartedly repent and be sincere and understand that God is going to take you into the fold just like he left the 99 and went after the 1 because God loves us like that and God cares about us. So Adam and Eve used fig leaves after they had disobeyed God. They tried to cover up a situation that was still obvious. Have you ever been in a situation where you know somebody did something wrong and tried to cover it up? They can't really sit still and are squirming and looking agitated and uncomfortable. So after you do something like that, it places you in an uncomfortable position to make erratic decisions. When people do something like that, they start making erratic decisions. And those decisions have a domino effect. And where it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, you're getting yourself deeper and deeper in a situation. You're going deeper and deeper in debt. You're losing more and more of your friends. You're getting closer and closer to that ugliness, but you're going farther and farther away from God. And like we've talked about hearing the voice of God, the farther you go away from God, the harder it is to hear his voice. So as you disconnect from God, it's harder to hear the voice of God. And we need the voice of God more than we need anything because God directs us. God directs our path. God sets us in the right way and speaks to us and tells us what we should and should not do. And that's how we make our ultimate choices. That's how we make our ultimate decisions based off the voice of God. Somebody say amen. So I believe this particular verse is saying, yeah, you can try to cover up your situation, but it won't be comfortable. You won't enjoy it too long. It's only for a season. So verse 8 reads like this. Check this out. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walk in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now I... Did not realize this, but man, I shook the whole house when God gave me this revelation. This is the first game of hide and seek ever. (laughs) Ever. This is the first game of hide and seek. So you want to sound like you're smart, you can say, hey, I know where the first game of hide and seek came from. You may end up getting somebody saved at the same time, I don't know. But that is so amazing. This is the first game of hide and seek. Literally. First of all, we know that we can't hide from God because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. But Adam and Eve gave it a shot anyway. Some people think if I do this in this location over here, I do this where it's in the dark. It's after midnight. You know how your parents say nothing good happens after midnight. It's late. Nobody will know. I live in Virginia Beach, but I'm going to do this in Chesapeake and Portsmouth. No, I'm going all the way to Suffolk. God's eyes can't see me in Suffolk. (laughs) So they were in the midst of the garden thinking that if they hid, that God wouldn't see them. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. Hallelujah. So some people think that if I do this in a different location... It's going to be something different. But God is everywhere. He knows all and he sees all. So it reminds me of a story about this little boy who always hid his snacks. He had the best hiding place ever. Uh, Hid his snacks from his other brothers. And so he hid his snacks, had some good stuff, some honey buns, some Snicker bars, all that stuff, and put them in a bag and hid them in his secret spot. And he went to church. And then he got up, and the preacher started preaching and said, God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. And the little boy jumped up and said, is God eating my snacks? (laughs) No, God is not eating your snacks. But he knows exactly where they are. He knows exactly where every hiding place is. He knows our deepest and darkest thoughts. He knows that secret place under the dash over here where you flip this and turn this up and put it over here and hit it three times. It'll open and you put he knows that he knows all of that stuff. He knew us before creation and we were in our mother's womb. He knows our circumstance and behavior. God knows us so well that he can identify the exact number of hairs on our heads. There is nothing we can do that God doesn't anticipate or know. Yet, he still loves us and calls us for a personal, intimate relationship with him. There is no need to hide from God. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, realized they were naked, and then they tried to hide from God. God knew exactly where Adam was. He asked a question to make Adam think. Sometimes you'll just get asked a question just to make you think. God knew the answer to the question. If You had a friend come to your house for the first time and he called and said that he was lost. You would ask, where are you? If he can tell you where he is, you can tell him how to get to your house. But check this out. If I don't say anything else, and you don't get anything else. Know this. You've got to know where you are before you can receive directions to where you need to be. You've got to know where you are before you can receive directions to where you need to be. God's question told Adam two things. You're lost, Adam. And I've come to find you. Every person needs to know the same two things. In the midst of a situation that we're lost without Jesus Christ. And Christ came to seek and save those who are lost. God already knows all of our deepest and darkest thoughts. He knows it all. Our ugliest and nastiest situations. The craziest, stupidest stuff we've ever done. God knows all of that. But guess what? He still loves us. He still loves us more than we can ever imagine. He still loves us that unconditional love that agape love that love no matter what not a certain condition not if I make straight A's not if I make a hundred thousand dollars but that unconditional love not if I look a certain way if I dress a certain way but that unconditional love God still loves you it's him him so I believe God is telling us, you can't cover it or hide. This leads us to our last and final point. Know where you are. Know where you are. Let's check out Genesis 3.9. It reads like this. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Where are you? Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? This is the first question asked by God in the Bible. This is the first question that God ever asked. Where are you? God knew exactly where Adam and Eve were physically located. The question was for their benefit. God was essentially asking them a question to see where they were after they messed up. God essentially asked a question to see where they were after they messed up. Sometimes we're in a situation and we get down and out and we beat ourselves up and we just punch ourselves up, I'm so stupid I knew I shouldn't have done that why did I do this, why did, God wants to know where are you in the midst of the situation because he wants to come and find you and he wants to love on you because he stands at the door and knock and God will find us and, and love on us and because he is the shepherd who is seeking Out the lost lambs in order to bring them in to the fold. God was not horrified by what they did. God did not turn his back on them. In fact, it was they that hid from God. He describes it as an act of gracious love in the midst of disappointment. He's not happy that Adam and Eve had decided to turn from him, but he wants them to be properly protected if they are out to head out into the world and be out of the garden. He wanted to clothe them, but that goes into another long study, another long chapter is how he clothed them. He got rid of the fig leaves. He got rid of the uncomfortable situation. He got rid of the rashes, all the pain. He got rid of that, but he had to do a sacrifice because he clothed them in animal skins. So that's can be where the first sacrifice came, where the atonement of blood, the blood atonement, and all that stuff. That's a whole different lesson that I have, a whole different chapter, and it's awesome. I'm telling you, I love that. But it was good to know that somebody had to die from the sin that Adam and Eve did. It had to be done. So he asked, where are you? He wanted them to really and truly know where they were in life, and their relationship with him he wanted to know so he asked where are you what if God asked you that question right now how would you respond are you following him or are you stumbling around on your own is God enough for you or do you long for this forbidden fruit this thing that feels so good this thing that's temporary this thing that won't last, this thing that I desire, this thing that is keeping me awake, this thing that is keeping me up at night, this thing that's taking all my money, this thing that's taking all my time are you attracted to that more than you are attracted to God are you at peace or are you ashamed of something you've done or are you open and honest with God so God asked Adam where are you the answer is, God, I'm lost. Before God can save you, we have to admit to him that we're lost. You have to know your status. You have to know where you are. So when God asks you, where are you? He is graciously calling. If you will come to him and confess your sin, he will deliver you from Satan's domain of darkness and transfer you to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom you will have redemption. And the forgiveness of sins. Remember where you are does not determine where you are going. Remember this. Where you are does not determine where you are going. Let me say that again in case somebody didn't get it. Where you are right now, currently, does not determine where you are going. Somebody say amen. God gave us all a gift. That's why it's called the present. It is up to us to dust off our shoes tighten up our boots and get out there and press towards the mark of the high calling which is in god christ jesus god has a purpose behind every problem god's purpose is greater than any problem that we can see god's purpose is greater than any situation god's purpose is greater than any circumstance god is powerful than any mountain God is powerful, but in any mistake, God is powerful than it all because God is a God that does not make mistakes. God cannot lie. God cannot fail. Only us, we can fail. We can make mistakes. That's why they got backspace, they have delete. They have erasers. They have a trash can. You throw it away and you start over and you get it right. And you start back and you get that pen and you get focused on God because God did not make mistakes. We are not mistakes. I need somebody to say, I'm not a mistake. I am a child of God, of the most high God. Hallelujah. If he brought you to it, he will bring you through it. God does not call the equipped, but he equips the call. Give somebody a high five. Say, I am the call. When God comes walking through the garden in the cool of the day, God is going to ask you one question as he steps towards you. He's just going to say this one thing. The first question that he ever asked, he asked, where are you? What are you going to say when he says, where are you? you going to say, God here i am here i am god i'm leaning on your promises here i am god i'm believing in you here i am god i'm calling on jehovah jireh here i am god i'm calling on my provider here i am god you say where are you here I am, God. I'm calling Jehovah Rapha, the divine healer. Here I am, God, receiving your healing for my elbows, for my knees, for my cough, for my throat, for my heart, for my lungs. Here I am, God. I'm receiving the healing from you. When you ask, where are you? I am right here, God. I'm being a good steward for what you gave me. I'm being a good worker. I'm being a good spouse. I'm right here, God. When you come to me and you say, where are you? I'm standing firm and I say, I'm here. I'm here being a Christian. I'm here letting my light shine. I'm here standing forth and being strong for you. So when you say, where are you? I'm able to stand up and say, God, I am here. God, I am right here. Somebody say, God, I'm here. I don't have a reason to hide from you because I am clothed in righteousness. I'm clothed in right standing. I'm not hiding from you because I'm letting my light shine. There's no reason for me to go in a deep, dark tongues because I am letting it shine. I'm letting them all know that I am a Christian. I am a child of God. I am a royal priesthood. I am a chosen generation. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not belief. I am here, God. Yes! Greater is he that is in me than is he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror. I'm here, God. I'm here for you, oh God. I'm standing firm on your promises. I'm believing in you. I'm looking for Jehovah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Nothing missing and nothing broken. The peace is upon us. Because I'm here, God. You asked the question. In the cool of the day, I have the answer. I'm here I don't care what they say I'm here I'm steadfast immovable abounding in your grace they may cuss me out they may speak behind my back but I am here God they may call me a Christian they may call me a Bible thumper. but I am here God you ask where are you I'm here I'm carrying forth your word I'm doing the things that doth said the Lord I'm here oh God because I understand that I can do all things through him who strengthens me all things are possible if I believe all things the enemy is defeated the enemy is under my feet that's a curse that God said that serpent thought he was cunning that serpent thought he was slick but he had to crawl on his belly forever because he's under my feet he is under me that situation is under me I'm bigger than that situation because I have the power of God that temptation may be in the middle that temptation is in the middle I see it every day but I'm stronger than that situation I'm stronger than that temptation. I am here, God. I am here. I don't need that junk. I need you. You support me. You sustain me. You give me what I need. I am here, God. I am here. You feel me, God. God, you're more than enough. God, you're just that good. God, you're just big enough. You're just bad enough to take on my faults, to take on my mistakes and give me the courage, give me the energy, give me the dedication to go forth and proclaim your word. You give me the energy and the strength that I need in me to go forth. Praise God, somebody. Praise God. Hallelujah is the highest praise. When you say hallelujah, the praises go up and the blessings come down. It may be something that's breaking you through. You are one praise away from your breakthrough. The thing that you've been praying for is so close. It's so close. When the praises go up, The blessings come down. God, I want you. God, I give you hallelujah. God, I praise your name. And I receive my blessings. I'm here, God. I'm standing on your promises. I receive it, Lord. I receive it, God. A fresh anointing from you. Fresh power from you. Fresh courage from you. Fresh strength from you fresh energy from you. Help me, oh God, get through this situation. Hallelujah is the highest praise. I praise you, God. You're worthy to be praised. You make the blind man see. You make the mute man speak. You make the deaf man hear. How big is my problem that you can't handle it? You can handle anything because you are God. Problem not that big. Where are you? I am here. I am here. I receive it, oh God. Because you're just big enough and you're just bad enough to help me. I know where I am. You know where I am. I cry out to you, oh God. I am here. The fig leaves have been removed. No more game of hide and seek. I'm here, God, in your plain view, in your plain sight, trusting you, believing in you, loving you, considering you first. Because you are God. You are awesome. Magnificent and wonderful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, O God. Help us make the right decisions when temptations come our way. You're awesome enough to do it. You're bold enough. You're courageous enough. You're dedicated. You're everything. You're faithful enough to do it. You're generous. You're holy, God. You're just good enough to do it. You're invincible. You're judge. You're king. You're loving. You're magnificent, oh God. We praise you because we understand the concept. When the praises go up, receive it right now o God. we need you in all situations and we know that you're always there because you are omnipresent. present you're everywhere at the same time we would not attempt to hide from you and your goodness we will step forth and trust your word oh God the infallible truth that you have for us please forgive those oh God forgive us that have sinned against you Renew our strength, O oh God, so we may walk upright and proclaim your name. There may be some that are lost here today. Save them right now in the name of Jesus, God. As they repeat after me, as they repeat after me, I have sinned and fell short of your glory, God. But I believe that you died on Calvary's cross for my sins. And rose the third day with all power in your hands. That that dynamite power in your hands. I accept you into my life right now as my Lord and Savior. My director, my conductor to lead me and guide me. And I will live for you henceforth now and forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Now we give your name all the glory. All the honor and all the praise in your holy and precious name, in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.